Have you heard what's happening in Calgary, Canada? Home to some of the world's best researchers and innovators in life sciences, Calgary is advancing healthcare solutions to solve global challenges. Calgary's dedication to the life sciences sector is evident in its labs, hospitals, schools, and the minds of its people. With its top institutions producing internationally recognized research and more than 110 life science companies backed by a highly skilled pool of talent, the life sciences sector is accelerating innovation in Calgary. If you're a bright mind or a bright company, Calgary is just the place for you. Take a closer look at calgarylifesciences.com. Before we get started this week, I wanted to tell you about the digital library from Deep Dive. How much time does your team spend looking for research papers? Google, PubMed, social media. There's got to be a better way. You can now search a reference database of 100 million scientific papers and read the full text of 20 million articles, annotate them, and share with colleagues. It's the smarter way to do research. Here's the best part. If you're like me and been frustrated by not being able to access articles you find because they're behind a paywall, I've got good news. With Deep Dive, you get one-stop affordable research. If you're a listener of the BioReport, you can try the enterprise version of the service for free for one month. Go to deepdive.com forward slash podcast and enter the code BIOREPORT. That's deepdive, D-E-E-P-D-Y-V-E dot com forward slash podcast. And the code is BIOREPORT, one word, all caps. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Integrins are a diverse family of proteins that play an essential role in many cellular biological processes. They also have been implicated in a number of autoimmune, cardiovascular, and metabolic diseases, as well as fibrosis and cancer. While a number of biologics have come to market that target integrins, drug developers have been stymied in efforts to develop oral therapies that can target these proteins. Morphic Therapeutic is developing a new generation of oral integrin drugs it believes can transform the treatment model for a range of serious medical conditions. We spoke to Praveen Tipperneni, president and CEO of Morphic Therapeutic, about integrins, the challenges of developing small molecule therapies to target them, and why this can have a dramatic effect on how patients with a range of conditions get treated. Praveen, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. We're going to talk about integrin proteins, their role in a range of serious medical conditions, and Morphic's efforts to 
bring oral alternatives to approved biologics to treat inflammatory bowel disease. Perhaps we can start with integrins. What are they and what do they do in the body? That's, uh, yeah, that's an important thing to start with. Integrins, actually, why don't we start by talking about our founders. Tim Springer is the founder of Morphic Therapeutic. And this company really is, we talk about it as a 30-year quest by Tim Springer. And the reason we say that is Tim actually, from his Harvard lab, discovered the integrin class of receptors. And this was in the early 80s, and he spent the last multiple decades really working on this integrin receptor. And the integrins are a really fundamental biology. They are cell surface receptors. They're a family of cell surface receptors with this unique ability to signal bidirectionally. And that's, you know, when you think about integrins, the name integrate. So they integrate outside of the cell inwards and inside the cell outwards. Yeah, so extracellular and intracellular stimuli. And they play this very central role in autoimmune, fibrotic, cardiometabolic diseases and cancer. Just to just to make it a little bit tangible, something that you know probably everybody can relate to is uh, and and the fundamental nature of the receptor. When you think about the immune system and those leukocytes, those T cells coming from their source, which could be lymphoid tissue or other uh, um, areas such as Peyer's patches, for them to get to where they need to to fight the infection, uh, the foreign body, the cancer, that's all managed by the integrin receptor, how they home to the right location, how they attach to the right cell, how they get integrated and um, uh, inter- and, and um, the transduction of from the systemic circulation into the subendothelial space, all of that is managed by the integrin receptor. Uh, you're, you're targeting a, a wide range of conditions. What are the range of indications you're exploring and, and what role do integrins play in these diseases? Yeah, that's, it's, it's, that's, it's one of the interesting things about morphic uh, therapeutic is that it is a platform and we say that we are the integrin company. And so that automatically puts us into a large potential set of therapeutic indications and therapeutic areas. So if you look at our lead molecule, which is uh, morph 057 for inflammatory bowel disease. So that one is one where the integrin receptor plays a key part in uh, the blocking of the T cells that are in the blood vessels um, into the endothelial space. So actually, let me step back for a second. Inflammatory bowel disease is a disease where the leukocytes, you know, the T cells are in that subendothelial space when they shouldn't be. Like if you, if you had an infection or something, that's where they should go. But in this case, healthy folks have it and that's what causes the pathology. And what the integrins do in that particular indication is these T cells that are in the, uh, the blood vessels, in these systemic circulations, the integrins grab them and, and well, I'm, I'm talking metaphor, metaphorically here, but they, uh, they grab them and they're responsible for push, pulling them into the subendothelial space. So by blocking that, you block the pathology of inflammatory bowel disease. In other areas, uh, in most of our other areas, 
it's around the signaling cascade. So integrins are involved in uh, fibrosis, they're involved in cardiometabolic diseases, and you know play various different roles really in organizing tissues and uh, and components that relate to the immune system. There have been biologics that target integrins that have won regulatory approvals. How broadly have these been used and, and how effective have they been? Yeah, that the integrins have been a very successful class to target. Uh, from a in in a these were the biologics uh, and and infusions, but there are a number of blockbuster drugs that are targeting the integrins. Tysabri, for example, which is the biogen drug for MS, that is um, a, an antibody that blocks alpha four beta one, which is an integrin. And uh, Alpha 4 and Tibio, which is a drug that actually Tim uh, discovered, it uh, was part of his first uh, company, Leukocyte, which was bought by Millennium, which was bought by Takeda. So it's a Takeda drug now, large drug, uh, uh, you know, multi-blockbuster. That one is Alpha 4 Beta 7, a biologic again, an infusion uh, that uh, blocks that attachment of the T cell into the subendothelial space. So there's a couple of blockbusters there, but also numerous other drugs, the anticoagulants. If you and I have a heart attack today, when we go into the hospital, there's a, you know, the high likelihood that you'll be getting an anti-integrant drug, the alpha-2b beta-3s, uh, which are anticoagulants, and those are um, well-known. And now, now many of you are generic. They've been around for a while, but all well-known life-saving drugs. So it's been a very attractive target class because of the fundamental nature of the biology. They've been, uh, for biologics, we've gotten numerous drugs out of them. We haven't been able to get them for oral molecules. Well, what's the case for developing an oral therapy to target integrins? Yeah. So if you look at the indications that we are working on and the indications that lend themselves to, you know, anti-integrant therapy, there are things such as autoimmune diseases, uh, fibrosis. So let me just talk about a couple of them. The one we talked about was inflammatory bowel disease. This one is a, this is, this is a, uh, a, 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 this is a disease that uh, it, people aren't dying. So this is young people uh, in their, in their twenties who have a very difficult life, um, you know, abdominal pains, uh, fibrosis, you know, these people, when they go to a new location, they know every look, every bathroom in the area because, you know, they can't control bowel movements. So it's a very difficult life, but they aren't actually dying. You know, they, they are just having very, very difficult lives. And so an oral pill in that application where folks are traveling, they have jobs, they have kids, um, you know, they lead largely lives that look very similar to ours would be a huge advantage. And other areas such as fibrosis, again, these are chronic diseases. And for chronic diseases, people prefer oral drugs that they can take at home as opposed to things that they have to inject in them. What are the, the challenges in developing small molecule approaches that can target integrants? Yeah, there's there's been there's been a lot of challenges. <laughs> that's that's why we say it's been a 30-year quest. So, you know, there's the whole... So the way to think about it, so the integrin receptor is a heterodimer, and that consists of an alpha pair, uh, an alpha subset, and a dimer, and a beta 
um, uh, dimer. And they come together to form the integrin receptor. But it's been very, because of that commonality between uh, dimers there, between subunits, it's been very difficult to create specific molecules for a particular integrin. And that's really, really important uh, in, in, in a number of different ways in, in terms of being able to interrogate the biology, so to understand what a particular integrin uh, target actually does and what diseases they can affect. But then also, from a therapy standpoint, being able to target the very specific um, receptor that you want. That just has not been possible before for small molecules. And the other part of it is that we understand a lot about the various conformations of the integrins, which we didn't back then. That's really what led to the founding of morphic therapy. That's the founding thesis, that we understand how to stabilize the various conformations. And that has a whole number of effects downstream of understanding that. And, and so that has been the real difficulty. And the reason why Morphic has been able to do it and nobody else has is because if you want to go after the integrin receptor in a structure-based drug discovery manner, Morphic is the only game in town. We are the only company that is able to generate the crystal structures to be able to uh, come at the integrin class in a structure-based drug discovery manner. And that's really what's enabled us to get here. Your lead candidate is Morph057. It's in development for inflammatory bowel disease, which you've tapped on. This includes ulcerative colitis and, and Crohn's disease. For people not familiar with these conditions, how do they manifest themselves and progress? Yes, that's a, that's a great question. Inflammatory bowel disease, it's a very interesting disease uh, in that it's a disease of emerging, or not emerging, it's a disease of developed economies. Uh, so if you look at inflammatory bowel disease prevalence 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago, it really didn't exist. And as companies develop, the prevalence of inflammatory bowel disease increases. And, and you know, there are two broad types, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, and they're related, but, but also um, uh, they, they have their own distinct features. But the commonalities of it, so, so why I say it's, it's, a, it's a function of uh, developed economies is we don't fully understand, nobody does, what leads to inflammatory bowel disease. Uh, it is some combination of environmental factors and, you know, uh, probably, you know, local insults in in the body, in the, in the GI tract, but we don't fully understand that. But what we do know is that it's, it's a disease of developed economies. And, but the commonality of it is that, uh, you know, T leukocytes, uh, the, the, the lymphocytes are in a, in a place where they're not supposed to be. And, and how these diseases manifest themselves is, uh, for example, if you, if, you, if you think about it, this is a previously healthy person. So, you know, could be any of our kids, right, that is going to college perfectly healthy. The next year, that person could be diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease. And what, what that looks like is crippling abdominal pain daily, you know, leading to uncontrolled, you know, episodes of going to the bathroom, leads to fissures throughout the GI tract. And, and pain, uh, and to a point where it is 
the, the severest manifestations are quite disabling, actually. So, you know, would prevent them from actually uh, um, going to school and, and things like that. And so, you know, it, it is it is a very, very severe disease. And, and there's two types of it, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's, and they affect different areas of the GI tract. But just to keep it simple, you know, it's it's uh, it's it's very, very difficult eating, uh, abdominal pains. It ultimately leads to fibrosis and you have parts of your bowel uh, removed. It leads to all kinds of uncontrolled bowel movements daily. So a very difficult disease to live with. These are considered autoimmune conditions. Morph 057 is an alpha-4 beta-7 integrin inhibitor. What role does alpha-4 beta-7 play in the inflammatory process in these conditions? It's it, it yeah in in ulcerative colitis and Crohn's it plays a fundamental uh, role and let me just try to uh, picture it for you so these you have a blood vessel there right and then um, and then underneath the blood vessel or around the blood vessel is the the the, the tissue right the endothelial space right and so you, uh, these T cells are going along in the bloodstream and. Um, if there's no infection or any kind of insult, they should just keep going, right? And if there is some issue that comes up where, you know, these T-cells are needed, they go into the, that tissue and um, control the whatever the insult is. In this case, they're going in without an insult, right? And so they're there where they shouldn't be. And so what happens is in the bloodstream, uh, the T-cells express alpha-4, beta-7, uh, they and then that attaches to its natural ligand, MADCAM, and that's what transmigrates the T cell into that subendothelial space. And and so you know, I almost you know, if you want to visualize it, uh, you could think about you know, in um, in a lumber lumber kind of rolling down a stream, and someone's grabbing the lumber and pulling it in. That's that's the lumber is the is the T cells, and so alpha beta seven plays a fundamental role um, in attaching to that uh, cell uh, cell wall and then getting transmigrated. So blocking that keeps the T-cell going in the bloodstream. So how does Morph 057 work? So Morph 057, so that, what, what it does is it's a, it's a um, if you think about the antibody, Vitalizumab, it covers, uh, it's a big molecule, covers alpha-4, uh, beta-7, and that prevents alpha beta seven from binding to its ligand. In this case, it's a little bit different since it's a small molecule, you know, much smaller. So in this case, you know, we sit, you know, exactly the, the molecule sits exactly where the ligand would attach, and so preventing that attachment into uh, the alpha beta seven integrin. Intivio. Uh, which you've mentioned is a biologic used to treat inflammatory bowel disease. It's, it's gut selective. What's known about the selectivity of Morpho 57? Is it very particular in its activity to the, the gut? Yes. Uh, so the way to think about that, right, is that the antibody, for example, Betalizumab or the small molecule are not, um, selective to the gut in the sense that they are in the systemic circulation, right? But, but what they're doing is they're, they're blocking the alpha or beta seven on that T cell, wherever it is, what is gut selective 
is the ligand, right? So MADCAM is what, what Alpha Beta 7 attaches to. That's in the gut area. So that that enables the therapy to be gut selective. So uh, so the, T, the T cells would attach to MADCAM, which is in the gut area, uh, and, and then be transmigrated. And here, blocking that blocks that interaction, which is selective to the gut area. Um, but, but, you know, the, the drug itself is attaching to alpha beta 7 wherever uh, uh, it is on the T cells in the same way that betalizumab is. What's known about Morpho 5.7 from clinical studies that have been done to date? Yeah, the, the great thing about Morpho 057 um, is that it, it's, it's a unique situation where you have a blockbuster drug potential, but you have very well-validated biology. So in this case, because you have velizumab, the antibody, you know, over 150,000, actually that was a few years ago, so well over that, have received velizumab. It's well understood that the velizumab inhibits T-cell trafficking via, via well-validated mechanism that it, we know from the clinical studies that it treats UC and Crohn's disease. And so there's a lot known about uh, velizumab. And because of that, um, we can track uh, surrogate markers even in early studies such as phase one, unlike you know, many other therapies which you'd need a full phase two for. Now, I'm not saying that, that, um, that you don't need a phase two. We will get, we'll have a phase two. But in this case, the phase one allows us to uh, predict you know, quite well what will happen in phase two. So what we measured in phase one is the receptor occupancy. So how much, of, uh, uh, how much receptor occupancy do we have? Because we know how much uh, velozumab has. So if we saturate that receptor, we know we're blocking the transmigration of the T cells into the uh, into the endothelial space, and so that's what we showed in the phase one, which you couldn't with a real novel therapeutic uh, or novel biology. And so that's why I think um, we all recognized how validating those phase one results are because we had. Betalizumab, we understand, you know, the receptor occupancy of betalizumab, and in in this case, we were able to have better results than we hoped for by being able to saturate the receptor with our uh, uh, with our alpha beta seven uh, five seven. I'm greatly simplifying here, but but and we can go into the details more um, depending on which direction you want to go. But the big picture is that you know we do uh, and perform as well as betalizumab, and we can show that in phase one. Well, what's the clinical path forward? Yeah, I mean, the, the great thing about MORP 057, and this is something that we've talked about for years, is that the hard part of MORP 057 is the molecule itself, which we, which we talked about with the platform, is that the, it's, 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 we knew the biology, it's UC and Crohn's trials, it's a well-worn path. What has not been made possible before is the actual molecule um, that has all the properties you need. And so that is where Morphic has really been unique. Uh, our platform has enabled us, along with all the very smart people here, to be able to put all the properties that you would need into a single molecule. That's what's not been possible before. But the fortunate thing is once you have that, uh, 
it's it's a fairly well-worn path, um, you know, because in this case, uh, there have been many molecules that have developed ulcerative colitis and Crohn's diseases, Crohn's disease drugs. And so we're, from that perspective, uh, you know, that, that part of it is, is well understood. What are the endpoints? You know, what is the follow-up? What is the pathway? And, and so we are just embarking on, a, on uh, that same pathway. And do you ultimately expect to do a head-to-head? No, not not immediately. Uh, you know that that may be something way in the future. You know, probably upon uh, approval. I mean, that's not the approval pathway, and frankly, that's not exactly what the premise of the molecule actually is. Because remember, back to uh, you are transforming people's lives when you have to go from an infusion to an oral, right? You're you are going from people coming in for a multi-hour infusion to young people who are, uh, you know, skipping from, you know, the university to their classes, to the tennis court, to taking a pill. And, uh, and that's transformational in, in people's lives. And so the, the, uh, we, we are doing it, you know, versus uh, placebo. And, um, and it, you know, the, I think we very much understand kind of where, the bar is, and, um, and that's that's the path that we are going to take. There might be something, you know, someday, but that's not contemplated right now. You've got a powerful platform technology. It's not surprising to see partnering is an important part of your strategy. You've done deals with AbbVie and, and Janssen. How does partnering fit in with with your business plan? Yeah, partnering is, is an important part of our business plan. Uh, my, you know, my background has been in business development as well, and the, you know, the way we direct our discovery organization is we say follow the data. We don't say, you know, develop, you know, X drug because that's what fits best with the company. We know the science and the the discovery is going to follow paths that aren't, you know, going to be directed by us, and so we tell them. You know that there are some guardrails, but but follow the science. And so, in 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 some cases, those are going to be uh, opportunities that we can take all the way to market ourselves. And those ones, um, you know, we will. But there's other ones, and some of these that we've talked about are very big indications and very big opportunities, and ones that uh, big pharmaceutical companies find very attractive and so those are ones that we we naturally would partner given just the scale of the trials and the scale of the uh the um costs uh to to other pharmaceutical companies and so i I do think that you know since our platform is so broad partnering has been and will be a part of the future and I, i think you know we've shown we've been able to get uh very attractive economics even very early in our pipeline and is Morpho 57 partnered or is the plan uh, to take Morpho that? 57 is not partnered. That is 100% owned by us. And are you planning to commercialize that on your own or are you going to seek a partner for that? Well, right now we are focused on really achieving clinical proof of concept. And, you know, if, if you think about what we're looking at, um, this is a well-validated biology. We, uh, you know, that that has shown... To everything and more that we could have hoped for in phase one. We know how to run the phase two trial. So that's what we're completely focused on now. And that will 
provide us a lot of options. But you know, the nature of the the compound, the nature of what people want to do with it, people are projecting that inflammatory bowel disease will be uh, treated in combinations in the future. There are a number of big pharmaceutical companies who recognize how attractive this area is and have huge franchises in this area. So all that together, um, along with you know thinking about XUS, you know, suggests it probably is a partner sometime in the future. But uh, it, right now, we're just focused on getting it to uh, pass proof of concept. In March, you completed a $245 million IPO. How are you using that money and, and how far is it going to take you? Yeah, yeah, that that particular financing, uh, so we, we actually had our IPO a few years ago, but that particular financing we did on the back of the clinical trial results that I shared earlier, which was the phase one results. It was, uh, um, you know, we were quite, you know, at some level we were hoping for those results and we were anticipating it, but you never know for sure. So we were thrilled that the market and investors saw the data in the same way that we saw the data and and that enabled us to raise you know like you said uh, um uh, on that particular financing uh you know a quarter billion dollars approximately and that so we have we have quite the uh you know we have quite the dry powder available um for the next few years and so we we anticipate that our run our burn rate and will enable us to get us uh, past full phase two studies so you know into 2024. Praveen Tipanani, President and CEO of Morphic Therapeutic. Praveen, thanks so much for your time today. Hey, thanks so much. We really appreciated the time. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.